hello everyone welcome to the new episode of everyday talkies now before you jump on to listening to this episode wait take a breath smile get your regular dose of life changing entropy here on everyday talkies hello guys welcome to the new episode of everyday talkies we are back with the fourth part of the series guns germs and steel it's called collision at kahamarka now for people who are joining us for the first time don't worry we'll basically cover what happened in the past three episodes in a brief short history uh, and we are basically discussing the contents of the book guns germs and steel by jared diamond now this book talks about how human civilizations evolved over the past 13000 years and why certain civilizations you know were more modern than the others and all about that we found this book really interesting and before i go on in my own tangent i have to uh, remember and introduce you to our co-host pushkar hello Hello. Before we jump into the episode, we have now a few traditions already, you know, made up for uh, this series. So, Pushkar, can you do us the honors? You have now one minute, and you have to give us an introduction of what happened in the past three episodes, so that people can understand what we are going to talk about in this episode. Recap so far. Preface Yali's question: uh, Why do civilizations grow at different rates across um, history around the world? Uh, then we move into the birth of civilization in africa 7 million years ago and uh, spreading out from there all over the world up until the last point which is south america 13000 years ago and then we uh, talked about the a specific experiment of natural history which was the massacre between the the maori and the moriori people and also like uh, the larger experiment of human civilizations kind of isolated and independently developing across the islands of uh, polynesia and how it affected their growth and affected their future and what the factors were that led to certain groups of people uh, growing at a faster rate than certain other groups of people and now after all that is done we are here at collision at kahamarka before jumping into our uh, interpretations of all of it you know let us just give a briefing of what do we mean by kahamarka because when i first read the chapter name i had no idea what does that even the word mean and a quick google search told me that it's a place in peru in south america for people who are unaware and whose geography is as weak as us so this chapter discusses where spain mainly people in spanish area how they conquered the new world and specifically we are talking about the inca empire which started with the collision at kahamarka as a chapter suggests so which more or less ended with the collision at kahamarka oh yeah ended you think but ended with the collision at kahamarka and before all of that again uh, a quick um, recap into the first chapter that we discussed that uh, civilization developed in africa and then moved into eurasia and around 11000 bc on the 13000 years ago the new world was first colonized like properly as you mentioned north america south america via the alaska siberian route the earliest contact with the people in uh, the new world were by vikings who went from norway to greenland and a lot of them settled there and evolved into basically the inuit people who you see in cartoons that live in igloos it's uh-huh. a little more complicated than that but basically those and then finally in the modern era we discover the america or the new world again in 1492 1492 when christopher columbus accidentally discovers the america and names it as west indies and just like the whole name sticks and now uh everyone in every native person in north america and south america is somehow an indian so now the worst part is during this whole episode we'll have to be very conscious when we use the word indian generic you know disclaimer before we proceed with the episode that whenever we say indians we actually mean native american there is no way in context we are discussing uh, indians or basically southeast asia people here in america so yeah uh, pushkar why don't you take us through you know the beginnings of the book and what exactly happened okay so a little bit of back story the spanish Empire 
empire which was one of the many european empires that had grown out of people basically fighting with each other in europe over land and resources so you had the dutch empire the spanish empire the portuguese the english all these empires which are basically just uh, different versions of people declaring themselves kings by the grace of god that you know whole christian thing it was it was kind of a religious thing but really it was just people uh, fighting for resources in that uh, search for resources the spanish empire and the portuguese empire sailed out towards the americas during the 1500s and so the portuguese sailed into uh, brazil and they got most of brazil and the spaniards got more or less the rest of south america so this story takes place in uh, on november 16 1532 when the spanish conquistador francisco pizarro came to the peruvian highland town of Ayamarca, where he met with the Inca emperor, what is his name? Atahua. Okay, I can't pronounce that. No, no, wait. It's Atahulapa. We'll put an Indian accent to it. I'm sure this is not pronounced the way it is, but yeah, we'll go with it. It's something like uh, Atahuayapa or something like that. This whole chapter is about studying this one encounter, looking at the reasons why the encounter went about the way it did. So, uh, essentially what happened was, uh, within minutes of uh, Francisco Pizarro and the Inca emperor, I'm just going to say Inca emperor, the inca emperor uh, meeting each other pizarro basically captured the emperor and uh, held him for ransom uh, to collect gold and whatever other resources he wanted and after that he executed the inca emperor the story of this is told by one of pizarro's brothers it was documented in writing and a lot of this chapter is basically charitable putting excerpts of his brother's uh, journal chronicling the events that led up to this massacre really what you can call it Uh, of the inca people by the spaniards yeah and uh, you know we'll not dwell into the entire portion where what are the instances that he said but the key things which you know really uh, came to mind in one picture was that only 168 spanish soldiers basically captured the entire inca empire at cajamarca which contained 80000 soldiers so now imagine the scale and the first scene that came into my mind was from 300 i mean it would be a pretty uh, tragic movie like 168 uh, <laughs> people armed with uh, horses and swords just like slaughtering 80 80000 unarmed uh, people more or less the uh, main reason which was told in the subsequent pages of the uh, of this chapter was that how come this 168 group of people you know could massacre 80000 people and there are key things which i took out first thing was that even though these 168 people had the superiority of having uh, guns which again was not available in the empire having steel swords and weapons not known to the I mean, empire chainmail armor basically they could survive all the blows because inca only used stone and probably some bronze and wooden weapons so they could basically not kill any spanish soldiers for that matter and on the top of that spanish had horses to ride on so they, and the other people were on foot now with all of this right when you have such high technology even with uh, and you know that you have this upper hand but they were still very scared from what it was mentioned that they will be able to successfully capture this place or not because of the sheer strength and numbers that the inca empire had Yeah, one funny thing in Pizarro's brother's account that I came across was he just blatantly writes when you know they are hiding in the bushes waiting to ambush the Inca emperor. It's like many of us urinated without noticing it out of sheer <laughs> terror, which was just like a very funny thing to me. But also there are like some really I think horrible things in his accounts. One of which uh, stood out to me was the reason why. Uh, they kind of start their assault because more or less they needed a reason to attack the inca empire the priest who is with them he 
uh, gives the inca emperor the bible but the uh, inca emperor has never seen a book before right and he right. kind of throws it away and uh, suddenly the priest goes full crazy and he's like uh, attack these people and he says march out against him for i absolve you which basically means that you can kill as many people as you want because i am absolving you of any kind of sin that you might commit today which is it's a horrible thing to do right i have very like complicated feelings about religion and god so when i read that i was like this is such a horrible abuse of the notion of religion because i mean men can barely speak for themselves and these people these priests they claim to speak for god you know like it's very infuriating and the words that they use you know that god asked them god permitted them it is command to liberate them from the misery he says truly it was not accomplished by our own forces for there were so few of us it was by the grace of god which is great so again you are basically dragging uh, god into this absolute terrible massacre that humans committed and i just feel like okay like i am pretty sure like if there is a god he's not going to be okay with this this is just you basically justifying your uh, absolutely like inhumane horrible action but you know in the modern world most of these genocides are in the name of religion beat in one form or the other it's the easiest to do when it's in the name of religion because you can explain it away like oh we did this for god or this or that but the actual reasons are always something else like the spaniard conquest it was made in the name of like civilizing the native people of south america who were heathens and they were pagans and uh, they had lost their way and we had to show them the light and this and that but really it was just about resources and gold like the spanish and the portuguese took so much gold from south america the modern spain and portugal their economy is entirely built on gold that was taken from south america the same goes for london and india right yeah exactly they and it was also like a lot of uh, inherent racism you know so like there's a line where uh, he said our lord permitted that your pride should be brought low that and that no indian should be able to offend a christian which sounds weirdly uh, triggering especially when uh, the word indian is used in that context because yeah but again guys this is native americans we speaking about so don't cancel us it's what actually happened in history right these are not our interpretation this is what exactly happened and one unique thing which i saw that as you mentioned right the spanish was modernly advanced but they did not have a democracy they also had you know kings and you had this honorary ruler of spain i mean it was a sort of organized political uh, yeah. society but still pizarro being the general right or the, whatever uh, his role was he was given the sole responsibility to go and conquer the inca empire or for that matter any empire it was his responsibility so you were delegated the role so it was not complete autocracy but similarly where we come into the inca empire when we see that atahualpa whatever the pronunciation is people basically considered him as god and his word was yeah. the final word and he ruled over them so that means when he died the entire kingdom broke apart and uh, as we see in the subsequent pages again that the spaniards had no trouble in capturing uh, starting from kamarca to all over the inca empire from one region to the other did you find this interesting that people were literally carrying the king that is atalopa and they didn't leave him until their death or his death isn't that human instinct that whenever you keep your hand over fire you tend to re- revert it back it's called reflex action right yeah. if someone is beating you you'll obviously run but they were so determined and so dedicated towards this one mortal figure that they lost their lives yeah because they thought he was the incarnation of god and that's what happens you know but i was talking about is uh, so all this basically happened the spaniards with their fewer numbers were able to take over most of south america and wipe out like entire ethnic groups of populations in a very short time 
Jared Diamond why he basically chooses this is to talk about why this happened you know where even though the Spaniards were outnumbered why were they able to conquer conquer South America so quickly so he goes into uh, a number of re- uh, reasons which more or less make up the title of the book firstly guns so the spaniards had uh, guns uh, which were even though they were primitive guns they had a large like huge psychological effect on the inca people because if you have something as formidable as a gun even if um, it may not work properly if it works once it will imbibe a fear into the people that these are some very formidable people because the inca people had had no contact with anybody else from the old world right they had no concept of uh, european people who looked different who dressed differently who had a different culture it would be like today aliens suddenly came to earth and they even if they had like a shitty uh, version of a uh, uh, their weapon if they fired it once we would be mortally afraid that right? we would there would be mass hysteria like people would go crazy so it was like that and then we talk about steel so uh, the spaniards had access to steel they had created steel weapons they had chain mail armor which was uh, more advanced than the quilt quilt armor that uh, the inca people wore also they had uh, horses which they had brought with them and they had learned to learn to domesticate these horses which uh, helped them uh, travel vast distances which helped them capture capture sentries who would be who would uh, like in other cases won the other tribes inca people but um, because they had horses they could capture them and kill them uh, all these reasons and the most interesting one wait I wait wait was, uh, before you jump into the germs section i want to add quickly here that people who are following us more closely they could relate that why did spains had horses spanish has ho- horses and not south americans why did they bring them here because if you if you remember in the i think the in the last episode we discussed last last episode that when humans migrated the domesticated animals came mainly from africa and eurasia and the first horses were yeah. domesticated in the you know in the turkey region in the turkey and the north of black sea region and that is where you know the whole eurasian empire is and there is no indigenous domesticated animals in south america or in australia because that is where humans migrated over the course of time and they exterminated most of the fauna and that is why you know you can see that this is one of the reasons why the spaniards had the edge over incas but yeah moving forward and to the most exciting part of this was the germs section one of the main reasons why the spaniards were able to easily so easily conquer the incas was because the spaniards brought with them their biggest weapon which unbeknownst to them was uh, diseases like smallpox like what else hay fever uh, all these things that the south americans had no concept of and uh, they had no immunity from so even before uh, the conquistadors Uh, with their whatever like 200 numbers came into south america the disease had come before that uh, so let me paint a picture for everybody some of these people from inca these native americans they went they went into the old world and they found some people in spain and they brought the spanish settlers back to panama and colombia area now when people are coming from europe they bring they are bringing those germs from europe major being the smallpox and smallpox basically killed the old inca emperor and his heir also and that is what led to atalahupa or whatever his pronunciation is again to become the sole ruler of kahamarca and it basically decimated most of their population and you know broke it into you know the small sections inca was a united kingdom but because of smallpox and with the king's death and the heir's death this kingdom broke into small sections and there were civil wars and ultimately atalahupa was you know capturing one area or the other and that is why he was in kahamarca that particular day 
and uh, that is how the spaniards conquered conquered the inca empire and it's funny because what struck me as most interesting was he mentions before in the book that um, these people these chiefs or these rulers in the inca empire they were also of this idea that they were uh, kind of the incarnation of god and they wouldn't deal with commoners and so often they used to marry either their cousins or their sibling to maintain the purity of the bloodline but what actually happened was uh, it would uh, end up weakening their immunity right correct so if a disease like smallpox comes that's why it would kill the emperor first and if the emperor is gone then you would have a power struggle it's it's so ridiculous how something that may have been started 200 300 years ago this whole idea of incest in the whole royal family of uh, the inca incas or whatever it led to basically their downfall you know yeah so that was like the earliest form of biological warfare true and you know in there you mentioned this small point how they thought themselves that they were the more true pure bloodline and they were the reincarnation of gods and all of that and i think similarly that is what they also assumed that uh, whenever people from the old world visited south america they assumed them to be as reincarnations of god or as some form of deity because they had right, such, it happened with the uh, cortes with the aztec empire basically so aztec empire would be somewhere around what it in the modern venezuela mexican central america basically. so that was another thing right because the spaniards had literacy and they had a language and they had they had writing Mm-hmm. so they could uh, relay information back to spain whatever they saw whatever they came across and uh, what happened was because the people back in spain read of cortes's uh, exploits in south america one of those people that read his, about his exploits and got inspired was francisco pizarro correct and imagine this right in the year of 1500s you have one region who are writing books and people are reading they know how to write and read and on the other end in south america they have no concept of writing the only way of transferring knowledge is via oral means and you know one nice example which they gave was that initially the spaniards conquered panama probably 600 miles from the current inca empire and a few 10 or 15 years ago but they had no knowledge that spaniards were so capable that they could uh, you know capture the entire panama area and when they visited peru that was the first time the inca uh, ruler uh, got to know that pizarro was of such capability right so imagine how much writing and information transfer can change the course of history exactly he writes uh, throughout the americas diseases introduced with the europeans spread from tribe to tribe far in advance of the europeans themselves killing an estimated 95% of the pre-columbian native american population i mean at that point it's like like imagine killing 95% of the population of a whole uh, country without even like lifting a finger i mean at that point like even the spaniards i don't blame them for thinking that god was on their side because in a way it was like uh, i don't know man i don't know how to rationalize it because it's it's really uh, i don't know it it is not only about the south american areas it happened across like he gives a few examples right that when the first european settlement happened in sydney the modern era that was around 1700s or the late 18s the late 1700s it decimated the aboriginal australians the everywhere the europeans went that uh, there were people na- native people who lived there they more or less ended up killing a lot of the population because of these diseases and the most epic one was that of the fiji islands right fiji islands again in the pacific area we were discussing right there towards the north of uh, new zealand again uh, in the pacific area there a few european sailors their ship drowned and the ship was called argo and they got washed up to the shore and they brought with them diseases like smallpox bubonic plague measles and all of that and basically it was a fiji ep- uh, epidemic and it similarly happened with the hawaii tonga pacific islands and everything a similarly opposite thing which affected the european expansion in the southeast a- asia 
or in the african region to a greater extent was that we also had and this time we indians mean i we as indians we had a malaria opi. we had malaria and yellow fever as our own epidemics which basically impacted the europeans and uh, they could not completely survive here these things used to take their toll in the weirdest of times so when japan was trying to force their way into india you know during world war 2 they had reached all the way to like north the northeast and they were about to go in through bangladesh but they were stopped because of the all the marshy land that existed and there was heavy rain and this caused a lot of diseases uh, like uh, they it caused dysentery and uh, malaria and all these things and uh, the soldiers absolutely couldn't cope and that more or less gave the british army an edge because they had like they knew of this whole thing of you know these diseases and they knew how to deal with them a lot better than the japanese Yeah, makes sense. Japan is obviously in tune with this. If they got affected by epidemics, they were also saved by nature a lot, right? I think Mongolia was the kingdom which tried to usurp them twice in the twelve hundreds, and there were the two famous cyclones which basically saved them. The typhoons. The typhoons. Sorry, yeah. Even that, uh, that is interesting because that kind of created the idea that the Japanese people were God's chosen people because God protected their island. in a way like because you know of these natural calamities so it's it's so uh, interesting that all these civilizations across the world whenever the something happens from the natural world whenever nature does something and nature does it very uh, it does not take into question morality right nature is very like it's very cause and effect so whenever something like this happens due to nature i don't know why but civilizations across the world just kind of attributed to god makes sense and you know that is why the initial gods the more we trace back the concept of religion it was because of yeah. nature right people feared nature people people feared uh, floods rains and the sun and that is where they attributed themselves to god and you know one small fact before we close out the japan thing do you know what were the storms which basically stopped the mongol fleets to come into there were the two uh, storms which happened in two different uh, times do you know what were the names do you know what my answer is going to be was it godzilla what the hell bro no <laughs> <laughs> the divine winds that saved japan those two times they were called the kamikaze oh damn nice this is interesting i did not know this wow yep amazing amazing i was saving this for our southeast asia episode but then i thought it was too much for me to save it for you know that many episodes i'm like i'll just tell it here no no <laughs> this is the only acceptable answer that's better than godzilla <laughs> good so i think that was the entire point of this chapter where he showed us one more uh, let's say you could say experiment of fear but happening in other part of the world where you had people from spain conquering the inca empire so few numbers just because in the because of the as conquering more murdering the inca empire but yeah. yeah so a genocide of the inca empire with just a few people with some animals and better technology they could do that and a lot of diseases so basically it summarizes the book's heading so again at the end of the book right he asks these questions that why did this happen only in spain that why not the other way yeah, around so, like these three chapters which make which make up part one of the book hmm. is more or less just set up uh, to kind of get us into the headspace of like uh, it gives us like examples and then asks us ki why the, this happened the way it happened and that's what we are going to explore in the further uh, parts and chapters of the book So last episode we covered uh, Maori Moriori. This episode we learned a new place called Kahamarca in Peru, and uh, slowly and steadily we'll try to understand why these things developed in Spain or in Eurasia and not in South America or in Australia or in any other part of the world. Thing in the in the next part of the book uh, which we will be covering, it will be mostly in terms of agriculture, in terms of society building, because the more we think about it, 
eating food is basically shaping our habits right even uh, to this date the ease of access of food make, gives us the time to do other things so similarly we'll understand the beginnings of how food production began and where did it began first and how did other areas compare to the other regions of the world and what affected what so yeah slowly we'll get into that in the future chapters and uh, just to close this off there was this three words which i loved which was there in this chapter um, it was called resistance was futile and it reminded me of what <laughs> in star trek the star trek files would relate to me here so the context was that since spaniards were conquering one region to the other native americans finally gave in and they thought you know why not we just join forces with them and that is how they came to adopt the use of steel weapons and horses and later could defend from the whites in north america oh yeah he does talk about the native american tribes in uh, north america that did manage to fend off the white europeans that uh, came in to settle there because they learned how to use the guns and they already were very apt in using the land that was around them nav- navigating the land that was around them and so often it's like historically native americans are were made out to be the villains because they would be like uh, portrayed as these people on horses with guns who would uh, steal your women and take your land and this and that in with whereas in fact it was exactly the opposite of that it's the hypocrisy of uh, western entertainment let's not go into western entertainment i don't think so they consider native americans as native people so that's a different story altogether but yeah i think uh, that basically brings an end to this episode and if you guys are interested and you know want to know more let us know and don't worry if you have not read the book like it will be wonderful if you read the book but if you not follow us and you'll get to know more what happens next until then bye 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 don't genocide people bye Thank you for listening to this episode. Follow us on social media and do let us know if you want to be part of the next episode. Till then, live long and prosper.